Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com. Hello, and welcome to Brexit Unspun, the podcast where we debunk the political spin around Brexit. I'm Shona Jenkins. Britain's Brexit referendum revealed a stark divide between people under 30 who voted overwhelmingly to remain in the European Union and older Britons, about two-thirds of whom voted to leave. Young people have had less of an impact than older Britons on the outcome of the referendum because only about 40% turned out to vote, yet they are the generation who will feel the effects. As former Prime Minister John Major said in a recent speech, By 2021, it will be five years since the 2016 referendum. The electorate will have changed. Some voters will have left us. Many new voters will be enfranchised. Well, a team from the London School of Economics has been among the first to try to give a voice to the Brexit generation, launching a project a year ago that seeks to canvas their views via a crowdsourcing initiative. To tell us about this, I'm joined by some key participants in the project. Rok Dunin-Vasevich... Valeria Vigilante, Isabel Flanagan and Hugo Engel. Rock, now can I start with you? What's your role in the Generation Brexit project and what are its aims? I'm a postdoctoral researcher at the European Institute at LSE and I'm overseeing the Generation Brexit project research with some colleagues there. Can you tell me more about the project's aims? Generation Brexit has really one purpose, which is to give young people across the UK and EU a voice in the Brexit negotiations. And as you mentioned before, it is an online platform run by the LSE, which generates a public debate on the future relation between the UK and the EU post-Brexit. And it crowdsources what we call a millennial cohort vision, first about the divorce, which is something that we actually finished in December, and now about the future of UK-EU relations. So, Rock, can you tell us a little bit more about how it works? Yes, so Generation Brexit has been shadowing the actual negotiations going on in Brussels. In December 2017, we closed discussions on the divorce. And since then, we've been focusing on the future relationship. And what we're trying to do there is to also capture the transnational dimension of Brexit. So we are running parallel discussions in seven major European languages. And the way it works specifically is that upon creating an account, one can choose from a few topics regarding the negotiation, respond to the questions that we've posed there as the LSE, comment on other people's ideas, post your own ideas and vote them up and down. And the best ideas, the ones that have received the most votes, will be translated into policy proposals. So how many people have responded so far? Uh, By now, we have almost a 1,000 participants. We have more than 400 ideas, more than 40,000 page views, and multiple comments. And are you seeking to affect the outcome of the exit negotiations? We are trying to give a voice to the generation that, as you mentioned before, overwhelmingly voted to remain. However, 
didn't show up to the voting booths as much as other generations. What we're trying to gauge is also how views of that overwhelmingly pro-European generation are changing in time whilst Brexit is being negotiated and what kind of meanings they invest in this project. So it's not just about deciphering the fact that they have voted one way or another, but also what do they mean by that? What do they want from this future relationship? Can you give us a sample question? One of the questions is specifically about the vision for the common future between the UK and the EU. There were also other questions about populism, about living in a post-truth society, and about the democratic institutions that have facilitated the Brexit process in the first place, and whether or not young people are content with how the process took place. Let me turn to Valeria. Tell me why you got involved in the project. So on a very personal level, Brexit is going to affect me because I'm a European citizen living in the UK. And of course, the UK living in the EU is going to have direct consequences on my life. So it was a very personal choice. But then having said that, I'm also a political student. So I was also interested in the social academic side of it. But I think most importantly, in the aftermath of the referendum, not only me, but other friends, European EU citizens and also English students felt disempowered and unheard. And when I heard about this project, I thought it was a good chance to actually express what we think is important for the future of the UK in Europe, outside of the EU. And how have you gone about crowdsourcing the project? Can you tell us about the mechanism you're using? So we are mostly active on all social media platforms, such as Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. But I think our main mode of action was seeking partnerships with young-led organisations, both at the UK level and the EU level. Just to mention a few, we are now in partners with Undivided and My Life, My Safe, which are both youth-led organisations regarding Brexit. We are also partners with the European Youth Forum and Stand Up for Europe, which are pan-European organizations, which are very active on a local level. And then we also partners with the British Youth Council and the Intergenerational Foundations, which are UK-based organizations. And also we are currently seeking partnerships with universities across Europe And I think it's very important because not only we are now creating partnerships with young organizations, but we are actually seeking people, young people who are unable to vote because of their underage. They may have not a say in the actual referendum, but now they can have a say and shape and influence the negotiations. So Hugo, can you tell me, first of all, what motivated you to get involved in the project? Well, I was concerned to see a lot of the debate about Brexit, both during the referendum and after the referendum, was quite polarised. On other social media platforms, on sort of Twitter and Facebook, it's just sort of very tribal arguments and sort of insults and not really meaningful conversation. I can't remember the last time I've looked at a Twitter thread and actually seen someone change their mind and be like, hang on, that was, that was a good point. You know, I might just change my view on, on that issue. And so I wanted a platform where people could have a meaningful discussion and be able to propose practical solutions to the challenges that Brexit's going to face, rather than just moaning about the consequences. And I think moaning is an adage which has been used to describe the Remain voters, but I think a lot of the Brexit voters as well are sort of moaning about the process of negotiation. But on Generation Brexit, we're more about solutions than just moaning. <laughs> and what have uh, what have the results been so far? 
Um, so to kind of put it very crudely, so far most of the young people accept the result of the referendum and sort of favour a softer version of Brexit. They want to stay as close to the EU as possible whilst respecting the vote that's happened. In a response to a challenge about what we're going to do after breaking up with the EU, someone said whether we like it or not, Brexit is the current reality and one that will affect our generation most. And so I think that's the sort of view that most people are taking. Like this is, they may have voted Remain, as you say, they may have not voted at all, but now they want to have the opportunity to have their input into the policymaking process because they do feel quite shut out. Isabel, can you explain, first of all, what motivated you to get involved with the project? Absolutely. Well, I kind of saw it online. It was something that I was just about to enter into LSE and I received an email. And so it seemed like a really great opportunity to kind of really get involved. I was quite involved in the like referendum itself. And I really wanted to get past kind of the hashtags and the buzzwords and the statistical data and really start asking people why. Why do they feel like the way that they did? And like, despite what the media might say, I know a lot of youth that are very passionate, very engaged. And actually, I felt that within our age group, the idea of Brexit, it was, as Hugo said, polarizing, but it was also energizing. And I did believe that the youth had a voice and they had a voice and a purpose behind it and kind of pushing past the idea of Brexit as is it a good or a bad question and asking those technical questions. Like if Brexit is the current reality, what do we really want to see from it? And what do we want to come out of the negotiations? Politicians on the UK side have so far failed quite strikingly to outline a clear vision for Britain's relations with the EU after Brexit. Have you come up with more clarity than they have? I mean, has anyone, I think, is the (laughs) answer to that. I think Brexit is still a very massive unknown. I think people are still trying to figure that out. I think you see on the platform that kind of Brexit is good, Brexit is bad, the same as you would in real life. But I think two things that really come out on the platform quite a bit is you see people really questioning the fundamentals. So there's discussions about democracy, discussions about education, discussions about the media and like what role should the government play? Like, is the government responsible? Should the government stand more of a role in the referendum to kind of manage the discussion and make sure that those truths came out as truths? Or in fact, should we have really let the people have more of a say? And that debate is very prevalent. I think that's very fundamental and it's quite interesting in terms of like the youth kind of re-evaluating essentially what our society is built on. Have they come to a conclusion? Was there no. any, or it's still no, an no, ongoing no. I debate? Know. And actually, I think yeah. in that debate, you do see that polarisation again. You have people with very different views and people are coming together. But I mean, they are there. Currently, there's the debate about freedom of speech in universities and parliament and people are very worried about that. You see those debates happening that actually I don't know if I would see in the classroom. And people are saying their points of views and very eloquently as well. And I guess the second point is that people are also really paying attention to the negotiations and you are seeing people questioning details of the negotiations themselves. So with the Irish agreement, that kind of uh, like maybe the creation of a smart border that the government suggested a few months ago um, with like the use of technology. I mean, what is that impact? That's kind of questioned on there as well. So I think people, young people are listening and they are engaging and they are questioning. I mean, whether their voices are being heard or not, I, that's the point of this project. I'm quite interested that you say that the young people that you've come across on the platform are basically saying, okay, Brexit is a reality, but are they still largely opposed to the idea of it or have they moved beyond that? 
I think it really depends on which section of the crowdsurfing project you're entering into. There are still blogs and posts that are saying, look, like we should try and reverse it. We should try and have a second referendum. The first one was flawed. But I think equally, I think it is very fair that a lot of people are trying to come to terms with the fact that Brexit is the reality. And they are asking, you know, if this is happening, if this is what the government's doing, what can we do to question that and challenge that and move forward? Hugo, would you like to add something to that? Yeah, just to add to that, I think especially in comparison to the debates you see on social media, where it's very much sort of a rerunning of the Brexit debate, people putting forward the same arguments. On here, the way the challenges are structured, they're specific to a topic and maybe the ECJ, maybe the rights of EU citizens. And that, I think, in some way forces the users to find solutions to these specific issues rather than just sort of rerunning the same arguments we've heard many times before. And so that means I think the young people on the platform are forced to think beyond the Brexit, leave or remain and come up with innovative solutions. I agree with Hugo's point. I think for how the platform structure is actually pushing the debate forward, I think when we launched in June uh, 2017, everyone was still focusing on, okay, can we reverse decisions? Divorce terms were not clear at all. There was still a lot of uncertainty on when the process will end, if it was like transition period. And I think all this climate of uncertainty create a climate of hope also for a reverse of the decisions. And I think right now, politically speaking, we have moved forward and our users are very reactive in that sense. They have come to terms that Brexit will happen and they are being very active in shaping what Brexit will actually be. You talked about the platform and people engaging with specific issues. Have any of them come up with innovative solutions? We had one challenge which was about immigration And I think compared to debates about immigration on Twitter, where perhaps it would just be some people saying no more immigrants and others saying we should have complete free movement of people. On Generation Brexit, someone put forward the idea of having electronic visa waivers, EVWs, so that EU tourists, when they want to come on holiday to the UK or when people from the UK want to go to Europe, we don't need to get visas. We can travel to all the places we know and love for six months without having to get visas. And so I think people were sort of thinking about ways we could tackle these challenges rather than just dealing with the same old rhetoric. There was also a really interesting blog put forward by two of our participants, and it was talking about how the trade deal between the European Union and Japan actually had a lot of learning points which the UK could use in the negotiation. And so I think that is another example of you just looking beyond and kind of saying, yeah, look, what other examples can we use? What do you mean by learning points? I think that the general formula of Generation Brexit is that it's open-ended, that we're not trying to bind ourselves into the withdrawal agreement or the future trade deal or whatnot. But we're also thinking about the place of the UK in Europe, also beyond the EU in its immediate neighborhood, and how those relations may evolve in the future, going even beyond the current institutional arrangements. Are you planning to make the crowdsource findings available to politicians who are engaged in the Brexit negotiations? That is our aim. As I said before, the best ideas, those that receive the most votes as well, will be analysed and turned into policy proposals that we now tentatively call the Youth Agreement on Brexit. This will be a very tangible result of the project and will also mirror the structure of the final deal. It will encompass the main aspects of the future relationship, so obviously political cooperation, the economic relationship, 
but also cultural and social aspects that are very important. And this youth agreement on Brexit will be published before the final agreement is reached by the two sides. And hopefully we want to impact policymaking both in Brussels and in Westminster through sympathetic MPs, MEPs and other friends of the LSE. Have you had any response so far to the idea of it? Have you approached any people yet? We have sympathetic backers, both in Brussels and in London, and they will be disclosed in due course. Okay, all right. Well, finally, perhaps you could let any young listeners know how they could get involved. To get involved, one should go to www.generationbrexit.org. You can also find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at Gen Brexit. And I think another thing to remember, apart from the fact that Generation Brexit gives young people a voice, is that it's also a very much a research endeavor. And we're trying to gauge what millennials mean by being pro-European. And Generation Brexit inquires into the also identities that people ascribe to their political engagement, and how those views are evolving in time. So it's not a simply a quantitative measure whereby people are voting yes or no, we're actually very much interested in what people have to say about various minute aspects of Brexit and the future relationship, hopefully the amicable future relationship between the UK and the European Union. Well, that's all we have time for. Thanks to Rock, Valeria, Hugo and Isabel, and thank you for listening. We'll be back in a fortnight with another episode of Brexit Unspun. We hope you'll join us then. And in the meantime, please review or subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Stitcher or your favourite podcast app. If you have a question or would like to suggest a topic for future episodes, you can also email us at brexitunspun at ft.com. And you will find a link to Generation Brexit on our podcast. Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. In unscripted conversations with investment professionals, you'll hear real stories about successes and lessons learned, informed by decades of investment experience. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. New episodes are available monthly. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes in an episode today. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details.